Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining me Kelly May, our Senior Extension Associate for Family Finance and Resource Management. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Today's topic is one that I'm excited about and I'm passionate about getting started with estate planning. So prior to stepping into my current position, I had the opportunity to travel the state and teach the basics of estate planning. So I definitely know that there is the need for folks to understand and learn more about estate planning. And I also know that it can be very scary and intimidating to people just because it's something that they don't know much about. So I'm pleased today that we're going to have a conversation about just the basics of estate planning and kind of knocking down some of those barriers that might prevent someone from planning. So the most basic question that we can start with is what is an estate plan? So estate planning involves arranging for the use and disposal of your resources and property after your death. And I'm reading a definition there when I say that. So it's what's going to happen to your things, your property, your guardianship. If you have children, a lot of times people think estate planning is for the elderly, but that's absolutely not the case. If you have property, if you have things that you want to share with other people in a very specific sort of way, or if you have guardianship over others, it's important to set up a plan so that there is a direct line of what happens to those things and not just what the state will determine automatically. Because if you don't have a plan, the state is going to settle it for you. Right. The, the state has a plan for you. I, I always tell <laughs> folks that either you can do your plan or the state will do their plan, but everyone does have a plan. It's right. just who decides it. And I love the point that you just made that often people will say, well, estate planning is just for really wealthy people or estate planning is just for older people. Really and truly, estate planning is for anyone. I always encourage people, especially if they have, as you mentioned, minor children, Mm -hmm. to really think about developing an estate plan. I think often when people think about estate planning, their mind immediately goes to wills. But as we're going to talk about today, an estate planning is so much more than just a will document. Right? How does an individual begin to create an estate plan? Just by starting. So the biggest (laughs) hurdle, (laughs) the biggest hurdle is not wanting to think about it. It's not a uh, very positive topic. We're talking about death, really. And nobody wants to think about their death, but it is important to do. Um, So getting started is not as hard as it seems. The hardest part is actually taking that first step and saying, okay, let's do this and let's start gathering up some information. And honestly, that's how you start is you gather up your information. So you want to figure out your net worth before you meet with somebody. And that just means all of your assets or the things that you own that are worth something minus all of your liabilities, which are your debts and obligations and things you have to pay or that you owe on. And that is your net worth. And as you figure that out, you gather up those papers and those documents into one place that you can 
formulate the basis of your estate plan and to take that to somebody else to get started. This is not an easy topic. It's not anything that people like to think about. And one thing that I would always encourage folks is that I know this is easy to put off, but to look at it as a gift to your family, Mm -hmm. that this is really and truly making it easier on them if something does happen to you. And, you, you know, no one wants to leave their loved ones with more to deal with than what they have to deal with after someone's passing. So by taking the time now, again, regardless of age, regardless of wealth, because there's quite a few of estate planning documents that have nothing to do with how much money you have, of taking the time Mm -hmm. to sit down, you know, pick a rainy afternoon or, Mm -hmm. you know, take a day off work um, to to really and truly kind of gather this information up because that can seem rather daunting. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of documents. I mean, just in in figuring out your assets and liabilities and your net worth, but also your records like marriage certificates and birth certificates and and all of those uh, vital records um, sorts of things. Military service. Yeah, it's great to keep those documents in one place because... Eventually, you'll need it for something or other anyway, and you'll say, hey, it's in my estate plan. I already have it where I know I need to find it, and um, otherwise, it it may be hard to find these things, and it's especially hard for your family to find these things if they don't know where you kept them, and they're grieving your loss and um, trying to work through many emotional things, like you mentioned, this is one thing that can ease their burden and make it easier on them. Right. I I will say that because of of my role and the fact that I would travel around the state, that my parents have come to hear me do the estate planning program. I don't know how many times, but they did listen and they did get all their documents together and they put them all in one place and I knew exactly where that was. And then they moved. They just recently moved Mm -hmm. houses. And so that was right on the top of my list after they kind of got in and got settled of, okay, so now where are these documents and where is this paperwork? Because it is important that you do know where Where it it is. Right. So let's talk about that this probably isn't a process that someone wants to walk through on their own. Who can help with the estate planning process? Right. So you probably want an attorney. Um, You can do this on your own. A lot of the documents you can do on your own um, through websites. But with some things, it's just better to have an attorney. With a will, it might be better to have an attorney, even though you can do it on your own. They know the laws better than probably you or I and can help you through the questions that you have. And certainly, if you're thinking about having a trust, you want an attorney to do that because there are uh, tax implications and the laws change sometimes, and you want to make sure that you have somebody on top of all of that and how to explain it because a trust is a legal entity. So, Right. I um, would often just recommend to folks that this really is not a do-it-yourself type right. project, mm-hmm. that um, if your estate is fairly small, so if you do not have a tremendous number of assets and you're not trying to do anything elaborate in the passing on of assets, that it'll be a fairly reasonable fee, that it's not, as, as you mentioned, a lot of these are standard forms, so it's not as if an attorney is creating something new. They're just in- inputting right. your specific information. So it's normally a very reasonable cost. Right. However, if you are someone that does have a, a lot of assets and a lot of wealth and, and does have a fairly elaborate plan for how they would like things transitioned after death, that could be more expensive, but mm-hmm. definitely you want to Worth seek professional right. <laughs> advice to to walk you through that process. There is some cost associated with it, but it's always a good idea to seek professionals in this case. Right. And if you do have, you, you mentioned some of the more elaborate plans that, that could happen, If necessary, you might also want to work with an accountant or a financial planner. You certainly don't have to. 
but it's an option and there are professionals, different kinds that you can hire. So when choosing a professional, make sure that you interview them. Um, You can interview more than one and that you're comfortable working with them and please check their credentials and make sure they're licensed to do what they're supposed to be doing and that they have some record of doing it for others too. But it is good to find somebody who fits you and who you feel comfortable talking to because this is certainly very personal information that they're going to help you work through. Right. And I will share this, too, in finding those professionals. It's make certain it's people that do this on a regular basis. So I often tell the story about that my brother's an attorney. So when my husband and I were working on our will and estate planning, you know, I went to him and I said, can you just do this for me, you know, as a freebie because I'm your sister? And he kind of looked at me and laughed. And he said, no, I took one class on, you know, estates in law school. That's not the type of law that he does on a regular basis. And I feel so often when I go out and talk to people that, oh, well, my friend a lawyer and he wrote this up for us or our next door neighbor wrote this up for it trying again to save on costs mm-hmm. get someone that does this on a regular basis because they're current on the law they know what can happen they do this regularly so they know how to best protect you right when meeting with that attorney or that that group of professionals that could help walk you through this process what kind of documents might they help you prepare So there are several things they could help you with. I think you mentioned a will earlier. That's one of the first things people think of when they think of an estate plan. It's not the only document you might have, but your will gives the instructions to be carried out after you die. So it indicates your wishes for transferring or disposing of your property. And we mentioned it names guardianship if you have children or somebody else that you're a guardian for. It designates your executor, which is the person who has to execute the will. Um, That's where the title comes from. Right. So you need to pick somebody you trust. I've heard you present before. Actually, I had the honor of listening to (laughs) you give this presentation. And there was a very interesting side conversation about can you have more than one person And you can execute in the state of Kentucky have can, more than one. But it can lead to some conflict sometimes if those two people don't agree or if they don't live close together. It can make it more challenging and actually make it harder on them. So don't feel like you have to name all of your children, to be right. fair. Maybe exactly. pick the one who is most willing to take on the responsibility or who lives near enough to go with you to the attorney's office if needed to sign papers or you know, just talk to everybody. I know that communication is key. And that's one of the things that you often shared in your presentation. And I would absolutely agree that with all estate planning, communication is key and let people know, you know, who's the person you've designated in charge, who are you working with, and where do you find this stuff? Right. There's no doubt about that, that the more you communicate, through this process. And, you know, I always tell folks that you don't have to tell everybody every last detail, but give them enough information so that they're prepared and that also that there are not kind of shocking surprises because we can all think about stories of folks that we know of the of families that, you know, no longer maybe celebrate holidays together because they've had a falling out over the right. settling of an mm-hmm. estate. And that's what we want to try and prevent. And by having these conversations early, by developing a plan early, it helps prevent some of that heartache later on. Exactly. Another document that you might have a professional work with you on is a trust. Um, So that is, like I said, a legal entity where you're transferring property to the trustee who has to take care of that property for the beneficiary, whoever that is. And so you have to um, very carefully select your trustee because you're giving that person 
basically the keys to the kingdom. That's true. <laughs> to handle your choices on your behalf according to the trust document. So that should definitely be a document written by a professional who understands the tax law and the tax consequences. And I know trusts are, that term in general is scary to people. And I often kind of in my presentations would say, if you meet with an attorney and they recommend that you need a trust, ask why. Mm -hmm. And if the answer makes sense to you, then you probably do need a trust. If the answer does not make sense to you, you can ask why again and ask for a little bit better description. But that's a decision to think through, understand the why a trust is being recommended, think through your particular situation and determine if it applies or does not apply. Right. Never be afraid to ask the professionals ask. that you're working with Absolutely. questions. You should understand what you're signing anytime you sign anything. 100%. <laughs> Another document that you might have help with is a power of attorney. And there are lots of different kinds of power of attorney. But it's a, a legal document that authorizes someone to act on your behalf. So there are uh, standard powers of attorney where if the purpose is fulfilled, so it's written for a specific reason, if that ends, then it ends. If you are incapacitated, it ends, or if you pass on, it ends. Um, so a standard power of attorney is only good for certain situations up and until usually death or incapacitation. And there are other kinds of powers of attorney for somebody to act in your behalf if suddenly you can't make those choices anymore. And so that might be the type of power of attorney you might want to consider for someday. Someday I may not be able to make these decisions. Right. Who would I actually trust so that when I'm at that point, I'm not picking somebody then um, who may or may not have my best interests at heart. Let's let's choose that person now before that issue comes to well, light. Well, and if an individual has become incapacitated, they probably do not have the ability to right. pick. And if they are unable to pick, then the court will, will pick for them. Will assign for them, exactly. So... A durable power of attorney allows someone to act on your behalf if you become disabled, and a springing power of attorney goes into effect after you're mentally incapacitated. So there are different types, and again, it's a legal document that gives specific powers. All right, so once you've you've gathered these documents, you've had your professional help you out, you've got whatever documents you want in place, uh, you need a place to store it that is secure. You don't want somebody stealing this information. You don't want it just sitting around. You don't want to put all the time and effort into putting this together and then have something happen to it like a natural disaster. So right. it's a good idea to invest in a small fireproof safe or lockbox, something so that it can be in your home. It's great to organize this in a binder. I think when I first thought about this, I thought, oh, an envelope will be sufficient, but it ends up being a whole lot of paperwork and it's stuff you might True. need it's a to lot access. Of information. <laughs> you might need to access it for this and that along the way. So it's nice to have it in a binder where you can just find what you need, take it out, make copies, put it back. And it also encourages you to easily go back and look at it every few years. So we advise that you update it maybe every three to five years or whenever something changes. So some of the things that can change would be uh, you could uh, have a change in your marriage or your kids. There could be a change with your children. If you move to another state, the laws will be different. So you might need to see an attorney in that state. Or if you, um, we talked to some people who lived in two states at once. They had a summer house and a winter house. Um, so how does that apply? So it is something that you need to look at and update every now and then. If the tax laws change, you might need to update it for that. And also you want to review your account beneficiaries because you can name things in your will, but 
some accounts, the beneficiaries you list on the account will take precedence over the will or legal documents. So your retirement accounts, your life insurance policy, it's very important to have the right beneficiaries listed. And if they give you a spot to put a contingent beneficiary, that's the person who gets it if the first person in line doesn't for some reason, if they're if they pass away before you do, then you have a backup plan for your backup plan. True. And there's so often that we see where someone has not updated a beneficiary. Kelly, thanks so much for being here today and sharing about this topic. And I know we have a wealth of resources that will be linked in the show notes Mm -hmm. for individuals that want to learn more. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.